Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Two Sport Town, our NFL podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, sitting in alongside the great Jim Thomas, our NFL writer here at the paper, and a special episode today. JT, I always compliment the guests that you line up, and today you've outdone yourself. We've got two great guests. We're going to start with Therese Paler of the Kansas City Star, also catch up with Tony Softley, former head of the Rams scouting department. We're talking, we're still talking draft. We're going to break this thing down a little bit more. And we know that a lot of people in this area have uh, have kind of migrated to the Chiefs, following the Chiefs, watching the Chiefs since the Rams took off. So who better than Therese to, to have come on the show and to talk about what the Chiefs just did in the draft? Because other than, I don't know, maybe the Bears, they were making uh, some of the more interesting moves and they got one of the more interesting names, a quarterback, and, uh, and also a local name as well. So Therese is going to fill us in, give us his thoughts. Therese, Thanks so much for, for making some time for us, man. Absolutely. How are you guys doing? We're, we're, we're doing good. Now, Teresa, I, I, do people still call you Perez Taylor? Let me ask you that first off. Yeah, yeah I, still get, I, do, I do still get some of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what helped me uh, a couple years ago? I think of TP, toilet paper, and that's, yeah. I think, of Therese but, Taylor. But so that, I, I don't get messed up. That causes some, some, <laughs> some, some angst at the uh, Kansas City Star offices because there's another TP there, Todd Palmer, who argues that he's TP, but he doesn't like it, Todd doesn't, nah. when you call him TP2. That seems to offend him. Well, yeah, just keep calling him that then. <laughs> that's how that's... That's how that's supposed to go. You just keep I, uh, on doing that. Yeah, go. <laughs> I got a chance to meet Therese when he was covering Mizzou, and I got to tell you, man, I've never seen uh, I've never seen hustle like Therese. I mean, he was a one man show, and there were that was that when there were people, you know, there'd be two or three reporters from the Trib covering Mizzou at the same time, and he would have like seven recorders with him <laughs> on any given day after practice, and he would be hustling <laughs> from scrums like a machine, man. So I learned a lot watching you, Therese. I appreciate your hustle. I appreciate. Um, all your hard work, and I know that Chiefs fans love having you as a as a resource on their team. Oh yeah, I appreciate that, man. I uh, it's all easy when you love what you do, man. So that's the key to anything, man. I think you know life is too hard to kind of not pursue your passions and your dreams, and you know life is hard even when you do that. You know what I mean? So I, I really couldn't imagine doing anything else. And um, like I say, I, I think it's easy and obvious does what they do and it makes their work better um and i think people really really appreciate that you know what i mean yeah therese is uh he's a young man but he's kind of old school in the way he approaches the beat i mean he sweeps up every crumb regarding the kansas city chiefs like that's how i'm doing like film breakdown on long snappers the other day and and their uh their their (laughs) post game uh their post game uh uh videos video blogs i i guessed i was a guest uh uh, did a cameo on one and was Uh. that was that in indy i mean those things are like they're they're like the godfather uh series i mean they're like 45 minute things i mean they they break it down and and what is that the a team who is on the a team now you got vahe you got blair kirkoff who else is on the a team just just sam just melly and our photog dave Hewlett pops in sometimes yeah that's the a team and what what's the website again Therese? yeah just uh, obviously kansascity.com um and the beat the the podcast if you want to listen to it is Sports Beat KC. And check it, that out. Go on iTunes, type in Sports Beat KC. And and what's your uh, on Twitter? How can they follow you? Yeah, Therese T E R E Z Paler P A Y L O R. You just type in my name. I'll come right on up. Give me a follow, and 
if you're one of my better followers and you ask good questions and stuff, I'll follow you back. And I do that for <laughs> and if they, I do that for my guys so they can ask me questions directly. And and, and and if they don't, you don't you don't follow them back, right? Yeah, I have a I have what thirty six thousand followers now, so like I have a lot of followers. I just I get it. I get as many as I can when I can. It's not necessarily an indication of anything, but I definitely take you take. Uh, I definitely do recognize the guys that are my best followers, and you know the ones that are good that I don't follow back. I think if they keep on doing what they do, I'll definitely get back to them. You know? keep, keep dangling that carrot. I got a question for you. <laughs> I don't want to tweet it to you. To tweet it to you. I want to ask it to you. Right here, because I love Deshaun Watson, man, and I love college football. And it, and uh, to me, if I'm a if I'm a GM and I'm not, and I know that uh, they put a lot of more work into it than I would than I did, but I have a hard time taking a quarterback that's not named Deshaun Watson. This one, what was it about Mahomes that uh, that made the Chiefs think he was the guy? Yeah, I understand that because you know, I come out with my annual All Juice team, which is basically like 22 of my favorite players in the draft. Like I, I watch tape all these guys and yeah, hundreds of hours I, I'm watching tape and I rank them and stuff and that's part of the draft process like again I love what I do so um, for a long time Watson was going to be my all juice quarterback and at the end of the day it was actually the Gruden camp episodes that swayed me um, I was watching Watson's and he had a hard time on the recall of like an eight word play and Andy Reid's were play calls are like 16 words hmm. so while Watson and Mahomes neither one of those guys called plays um and there was some concern not concern but Mahomes' ability to recall plays and spit the language out was like better they brought both those guys to the facility for pre-draft visits um and Dorsey the Chiefs GM had all the coaches rank the quarterbacks based on who did the best on recall and Mahomes was number one you add that to the prodigious arm talent. His arm talent is better than Watson's. And the creativity, his creativity is better than Watson's too. Um, you know, this is a guy with like a Pro Bowl ceiling. He just needs – he's a young guy. He just turned 21. He's like legitimately a kid. He needs to sit and watch for a year or two. And it's really going to help him to sit and watch somebody like Alex. Just the diligence of preparation. You know, he'll watch the throws you have to take when the defense gives it to you. Um, I think this is a great place for Patrick Mahomes, and I, I do get the pick, and I do understand it, and I, I do I do understand why they did it. I really do. Therese, he, Mahomes looks yeah, he looks like a kid. He looks like he's about twelve. I mean, he he is a he is a young looking uh, dude. I I think other than the Bears, you're pretty old, JT. Thanks. Other thanks. So uh, everybody yeah, looks me. young to you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just uh, just uh, just pipe down over there a little bit. But other than other other than uh, other than the Trubisky move by the Bears, which made absolutely uh, no sense to me, this was the boldest move of the uh, of the first round. And and John Dorsey and and uh, and Andy Reid, they 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 have a little bit of that in them, don't they? They they do. Um, I, I didn't predict the trade up because John likes to hoard his picks, but they've got a roster full of guys, man, and like guys that are going to be on the team. So they had 10 picks this year, and they just – that's a lot of – there were going to be a lot of guys that didn't make this team. So it makes sense for the aggressiveness or the aggression. I mean, it really did. And, um, you know, I will I, – I am curious to know from you because you, you know, you're Jim Thomas. You know, I, I want to know why, why didn't you like the Trubisky? Do you not like Trubisky as a prospect? Have you not heard good things? What was your issue with that? 
Well, my issue with it is, one, just 13 starts. There's a lot that he hasn't seen. I don't care how, how long he looked, but there's a lot that he hasn't seen, more than any of these other rookies. And also, if you're John Fox in that organization, and we're, we're going to ask, we're going to have Tony Softley on later. Uh, Tony Softley worked for John Fox in, 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 in Carolina. You have to win now. You're 9-23 and 23 in two years. Chicago's a tough town, tough media town. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're not very patient. He, he can't put up five wins this year and expect to be around. So that couldn't have been a John Fox pick. He's, he's going to help develop this guy for the, for the next uh, coaching staff. Plus, did they really think San Francisco was, was, was going to take a, a quarterback? They traded a lot, two third-rounders besides a swap of the first-round pick and a fourth-round pick. The third-rounders, that's, that's valuable real estate. You draft a third-rounder, you're drafting someone who, if not right away, potentially is going to be a starter. So it, it, just, looked, uh, it just looked weird, uh, Therese. It, it, just the, just the, the, the whole thing, it, it didn't seem like John Fox was drafting. Uh, you know, that GM coach, and you know very well, you've written about this, the GM coach relationship is very important in uh, – and and Big Red, as you guys call Andy Reid and, and and Dorsey, they have a they have a great rapport. They do, they do, and it is important because it's really easy to kind of get off track as a, as an organization if your two alpha dogs don't get along. It it matters. There's just power struggles and stuff, but for the most part, I think the, I think these guys get along pretty well, um, and I think it's a reason for the success, and it's why teams have been sniffing around their front office hiring their guys. You saw Chris Ballard get hired away. He was Dorsey's right-hand man. He had a great draft for Indianapolis, in my opinion. I love a lot of the guys that he selected. Ballard did a really nice job. And now you're hearing about Brett Beach possibly being a guy getting some love um, as a candidate for the Buffalo Bills opening. So this is what happens when you're good. Uh, but I think it's a real testament to John. You know, he, he identified men who can scout talent, and the Chiefs are being recognized for that because teams are trying to swipe their talent away. Okay, you're Alex Smith. Uh, how do you approach this? What do you do? I think if you're Alex, you just kind of do what you have to do and really try not to let uh, the notion of fans get in your head because I, I don't really see there being any scenario where Patrick Mahomes is more reliable or better than Alex Smith would be in 2017. Patrick Mahomes has never called a pl- like real plays. Hmm. That's not at least not in college. Like Andy Reid's play calls, I mean, <laughs> they they are just long. They they are they're. I'm serious. Like, and and while he had long play calls in college, he never had to spit them out. Like an Andy Reid play call. I'll look this up. Um, you know, and this is a this is an easy one. This is from John Gruden's playbook. Is green right X shift to Viper white thirty three eighty two X stick looking right and that's an easy one right um, what so I think if you're Alex you just do what you do all if, right read read that one Alex more time and then bed read it one more time and then Bedfriend's got to try to repeat as much as he can of it okay <laughs> go go read it again all right all right all right Ben give me green right X shift to Viper right three eighty two X stick looking. Green right X, shift to Viper right, 382 X stick, looky. Okay, give me another one here. Let's go <laughs> west. Let's go west. You're, right apparently, right. you're already done better than Deshaun Watson. So. Oh, man. <laughs> let's, let's go. Get, give me west right tight, F left, 372 Y stick, Z spot. Nope, I can't do that one. 
Yep, I should have okay. been one and done. One and done. Uh, no, no, no. We're going to do two more. <laughs> give, me, give me trips left, 73 Reno, halfback, slow screen right. Trips left, 73 Reno, halfback, slow screen right. All right, nice. All right. I got to do it real fast. Yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. Give me pass 94 punch, X deep cross. Oh, that's easy. Pass 94, punch, X deep cross. I could do this. Three, I mean, out, I would, three I would, out of four you, for Ben Fred. I would have no idea what they actually what, what they actually mean, but I could I could bring the play into the huddle. I could be that guy. And 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 if you were five well, inches taller. Hey, you had a gun. Hey, you could be a quarterback. He was he was the leading tackler for Smith Cotton. Trez, you know as well really? as I do. Yes, yeah, he was. we don't we don't have to talk about that. Trez, you know as well as I do that Doriel Green Beckham is doing just fine, not knowing how to not knowing what. <laughs> how to read plays in the NFL. Now, he had to go there. He had to go there, uh, Therese. Yeah, it's different for a receiver because all he's <laughs> listening for is all he's listening for is Z spot. That's all that's all he needs to hear. And when you he's and when you're for X, Y, or Z in the number before it. That's it. It also helps when they line you up on your own sideline so the coaches on the sideline can just tell you what to do. But hey, that's a topic for another that's a topic for another day. Um, I want to ask you about Jehu Chesson because he's a kid that, that we followed here locally. Yeah. Um, JT kind of uh, got a chance to, to cover him a little bit, headed into the draft. What do you think his chances are? What do you like about him? Why, why did the Chiefs like him? Uh, I mean, he's going to make the team. And uh, it says a lot about what they thought about him as they moved up to get him. You know, they, they surrendered picks. They surrendered two fifth-round picks to get this guy. They obviously really liked him. Um, Chesson's a big kid. I'm a Michigan guy, so I watch Michigan. He was better in 2015 than he was in 2016. But he's a big kid. He's six foot three, two oh nine. He ran a four four seven, and he was actually one of the best athletic testers among all receivers uh, in this year's class. So there's a real nice mix here of athleticism and size. And the reason some people had him as like a seventh round pick is because his tape in 2016 wasn't that wasn't great. His production was down, too, but uh, I think that had a little – I think it had something to do with the knee injury he suffered in the bowl game in January 2016. I, I never thought he was really the same guy. And Dorsey and the lead scout on him disagreed with that, and that's fine. Um, but but I think that had a role. But, in fact, they say the thing that really jammed him up was uh, the, the quarterback change uh, between Jake Rudock in 2015 and Wilton Spate. Uh, Wilton Spate is okay. Rudock was drafted last year. So, you know, uh, look, I, I think this guy, I think he's got a chance to be a Z receiver in this league. If not that, he'll be an X. He, I, it's it's going to be fun seeing Mahomes and him hook up, you know, because I think he can, he can go downtown. And you saw him give it to Vernon Hargraves in that bowl game he got hurt in, too. Hargraves, of course, was the first round pick of the Bucks a year ago. So, I, I know a lot of people didn't like the pick and they thought it was a reach, but I like it more than others because I know what Chesson can be. Remember, Chesson was the Bo Schimbeckler team MVP in 2015 above Rudock, right? And Rudock was the quarterback that he he was the guy. He was the guy that changed Michigan a little bit, right? So I, I, I think it was an interesting pick. And uh, I think given John Dorsey's track record, you have to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt there. Oh, there, there's no doubt. And think about that for a minute. Everything that the University of Michigan football program embodies, this this guy, this dude, was team MVP, Michigan team MVP. Obviously, they drafted more the Chesson of 2015 when he had some huge games, especially down 
the stretch for them than the Chesson of 2016. Now, the third player, the third player that they drafted up for was Kareem Hunt of Toledo. He's got a chance without Jamal Charles. I know Spencer Ware's back. He's got a chance to contribute right away, doesn't he? He does. He does. And, um, you know, the, the, the guy has tremendous contact balance, which Dorsey and his lead scout said. And that's true. Like, he, he's got great bursts when he has the ball in his hand. But, like, he's one of those guys that always seems to stay square to the line of scrimmage. And he, he, he is tough to bring down. You know, he, you knock him, and he's still low to the ground. I, you know, this this is an explosive kind of doubles back, right? I think you can chase him down from behind. But I think this is a guy that's going to hit some doubles and maybe a handful of triples for you. And, you know, I, I think that's needed because Spencer Ware and Sharkandrick West are slated to be free agents next year. So there's nice protection there, I, I think, I think he's got a chance to be a good back in this league, and he can catch the ball. He's a willing blocker, though he needs to clean up his technique. There, there's some stuff there with him to, to work with for sure. And, again, you know, this is a guy that they liked enough to move up for. Yeah, and you're right. You're right that the Chiefs had t- 10 picks. There's no way 10 draft picks would make this team. It's a proven playoff team. Uh, lots of veterans uh, with, with some young kids moved in. They end up with uh, seven picks, so – uh, I think a, a very good draft for the uh, for the Chiefs and uh, high expectations. The bar the bar set pretty high on that side of the state, isn't it? Oh yeah, you got that right. Fans want to see at the very least the AFC Championship game, and that's the reason Alex had taken criticism because they lost the home playoff game a year ago uh, to the Steelers, while who, who couldn't score a touchdown, and that shouldn't happen. And the man, the men who take the blame for that, is always going to be the coach and quarterback. So there's pressure on Alex, even though I, I can't see a scenario where Patrick beats him out. But, yeah, no, there's, there's pressure on this guy now. You know, he's going to have to do, you know, what he does here. He, he's going to have to be a little better, too. You know, it's not going to be enough for him to throw 15 touchdowns and eight interceptions and just lead them to a winning record. He's going to have to make some throws and make some plays. Yeah, no doubt. There'll be a lot of people in St. Louis watching, uh, watching what what takes place in Kansas City. Maybe some people making some trips as well, and we encourage them to, uh, to if they're not following you already, which I'm sure most of them are, to to give you a follow and to and to check out your stuff for the Star because you guys bring it in a lot of different formats and keep people informed. Therese, thanks so much, man. We we enjoyed catching up with you. It's always great to talk with you. Tell the guys in uh, out west we said hello. Will do, man. I enjoyed it, man. Uh, call anytime. All right, man. Sounds Thanks, good. Thanks, That's Therese Paler of the All Kansas right. City Star joining us here on the Two Sport Town podcast. Just a, a quick plug for for our podcast here and uh, and a reminder that you can check out uh, Therese and the work of his colleagues at KansasCity.com. That's the uh, website for the Star. Our website has all of our podcasts, easy to find. Um, including Two Sport Town. You can just go to uh, one place, stlca.com slash podcast. You can find this episode of Two Sport Town. And while you're there, you can subscribe. iTunes, Google Play Music, or search your favorite podcast app, and you can uh, load us up there. We'll come directly into your phone make it easy for you. We'll catch up with Tony softly here now on uh, on Two Sport Town. It's a two-guest day here on Two Sport Town. We talked with Therese Paler in the first half of the Kansas City Star, kind of about the Chiefs draft. We're going to uh, expand the focus a little bit now. Nobody nobody better to bring in than our current guest, Tony Softley, former Rams GM, joins us here on Two Sport Town to talk draft as a whole. Um, he's based in Seattle now, but uh, he follows this thing as well as anybody. Tony, thanks so much for making some time for us. Oh, I appreciate you guys having me. 
Tony does uh, does radio work in in Seattle. Uh, also uh, directs the NFL PA Bowl. That's the Players Association Bowl, one of the college all star games. Uh, before we get into some of the nuts and bolts of uh, of this draft, Tony, uh, what's it like working with Mike Martz that week? Martz has been your coach. What uh, coach one of the teams two two or the three years in a row, something like that. Yeah, last year was his third year, and 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 uh, Mike is actually undefeated. So uh, he's excited about uh, coming out every every year and helping these young kids uh, develop uh, and introduce them to kind of the um, the way of NFL coaching, what they're going to expect uh, moving forward. But Mike does something else that's uh, pretty exciting for me as well, and that's he helps develop coaches to move on into the National Football League uh, that were former players. So. Uh, he has uh, two guys in uh, coaching, offensive line, defensive line, and a third one in this year as a pro scout. So uh, Mike's contributed a lot to our game. Tony, we call that the Jim Thomas weekly plug of uh, Mike Martz. He has to find a way to slip Martz into every podcast we do. He's uh, he's the biggest Mike Martz limbing uh, I know. I don't blame him for it, but uh, we just have to call it as we see it here. You know, I, I was in meetings with uh, Mike and Jim Zorn last year, our two coaches, and Previous years, it was uh, for two years. It was Mike versus Mike Holgren. Uh, but you, you talk about a guy that is brilliant in X's and O's. Um, I mean, I learned so much just sitting down talking with him for a couple of hours, which I thought I knew, uh, and he taught me a lot of stuff. So uh, I'm very appreciative of his skill set and and what he brings to the table. Tony, the uh, uh, the NFLPA game it doesn't get maybe quite the quality of the players, say the Senior Bowl, but uh, uh, lots of uh, mid round and uh, late-round draft picks from uh, that league. I remember this uh, watching the game and this, the small uh, running back. Is it Tarek uh, Cohen from uh, North Carolina A&T? He really caught my eye. I remember talking to Mike after the game, and uh, he really liked the kid. He ended up with, what, Chicago? But yeah, quite a few players that were in that game got drafted. Yeah, quite a few got drafted. Last year, going into the combine, we had 19 guys. This year we had 35. Uh, last year, draftable players was 14. This year we had 23. Uh, and just to compare us, who we've gone in, this will be our sixth year coming up. The East West Shrine has been around for 92 years. And, uh, you know, they had 25 guys. We had 23. So we feel that we're, we're right on the cusp of that. When they hired me to be the director of the PA game, uh, I told them, hey, listen, we're going to compete with the Senior Bowl and beat the rest. So, we're working on that. We get better each and every year, not only as a roster as far as talent, which attracts all the NFL scouts, coaches, and GMs, but also uh, you know just the the element of of um, you know football operations. You know how we do things, how we take care of players. You know we 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 have a facility for them to shower at and eat at after a practice, and not right back on the bus all sweaty in their gear and stuff. So there's just little things that we try to do and, and tweak each year, uh, and we're getting better. And uh, it's Tony's job. Tony goes out much like he did when he was running the Rams personnel department to go out and scour the countryside looking for players. And, Tony, you guys have come a long way in a short time. That, that, is, a, that is a fun game to watch, and, and it's also one I'm sure that the, the scouts and the coaches from the, the various NFL teams get more and more out of each year as you go along. And just as an aside now, you play, the game's played in the StubHub Center in Carson, which will be home of the L.A. Chargers. What's that facility like? Well, you know, the facility, we, we actually got booted out for two years until they move in with the Rams down there in the new stadium. So we're, we're trying to find a home here. We're, we're kind of, uh, you know, 
signing the deal right now. I'd, I'd love to tell you what it is, but I can't write it this minute. But the StubHub is a 30,000-seat stadium capacity, probably about 28, but they're going to put some, uh, some more bleachers up on the hillside there. Uh, very close. The fans will be very close and up on top of the NFL teams, uh, which will be great from a fan perspective. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a stadium that uh, is well-lit. It's uh, obviously outdoor well-lit. What I mean by that is there's no uh, structural uh, blockage anywhere in the stadium. Everywhere is a good seat. So uh, we've, had a, we've had a good time. We've called that home for uh, five years now. Uh, and uh, the Chargers will definitely uh, enjoy playing there. It's well-run. It's, it's upkeep as far as facilities is outstanding. So it's a good stadium. Uh, I thought it was too small for them. Why not go Coliseum? Why not go Anaheim? Uh, but uh, they went uh, the stub of and uh, Tony, the, uh, if you're still looking for a place, the, uh, I, th- I think the Edward Jones Dome is available. It, may, it, 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 it might be a little big for what you need, but uh, I, I think they've got plenty of open dates. Yeah, that'll dwarf us a little bit. And uh, our, our, our uniqueness is to stay on the West Coast. Uh, you know, a lot Senior Bowl is in the South in Mobile. Uh, the East-West Shrine is in uh, St. Pete uh, in Tampa. And uh, we're unique uh, out there on the West Coast. Now that the L.A. Uh, Chargers are back and the L.A. or have moved up and the L.A. Rams are back, uh, football's back in L.A. So we want to be in that mainstream of excitement uh, and keep stirring it up every year. Well, there, there you go. I tried to help the the CVC, but got the gentle, but ever so diplomatic. <laughs> At least still he a, did it in a, a way brush that was off. nicer than the Rams. I mean, bru- he did, yeah, he much was kind. Nicer. We knew where Tony was coming from. <laughs> Tony, uh, let, let's talk this draft now. Broad strokes. Uh, one one of the big question marks going in was the mystery of where all these quarterbacks would uh, would land, especially the top guys. What, what, what do you think about where all these guys went? You know, I, I uh, every year. Uh, and, and when I was in it for 15 years, 11 as a front office executive, I, if we didn't need a quarterback, we just kind of put that off to the side. I mean, they were there, but they weren't there. Because quarterbacks get pushed up each and every year. That's why the bust rate for a quarterback is so high, because uh, teams have to gamble and take a chance on them. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, the young man out of North Carolina, Mitch Risky, was uh, it scares me when a guy only has 13 starts. And I said the same thing with Tannehill, who went to Miami, and he had 19. Uh, I like I like quarterbacks to have at least 25 to 30 starts, uh, 63 to 67 percent completion ratio, uh, and you know what, a, a wonderlick score of at least 20 or more. Uh, he he checked off a couple of the boxes except for one, experience. So it kind of surprised me that uh, Ryan Pace, the general manager, jumped up to get him and John Fox. Uh, very, very. They gave up a lot to move up one spot. First of all, and second, they did it for a guy with lack of experience. So that that's a little frightening. And how about Mahomes? We talked with uh, uh, Perez, uh, Therese Paler. I almost did it right there of the Kansas City Star about the Chiefs drafting Patrick Mahomes. Uh, lots of comparisons to to this wild, uh, strong-armed uh, next coming of Brett Favre. Do you see that in Mahomes? You know, I, I see the gunslinger that everybody's talking about, the comparison there with Brett to, to do whatever it takes. Uh, to, he has the big gun. He can throw it. Um, but when I watch him, a lot of the things he does, you're going, wow. And a lot of the things that you see him not do correctly, you go, hmm. And, and so while you see him roll into his left and he 
doesn't even square shoulders. He whips the ball 50 yards down the field or to the in the red zone for a touchdown. You're going, wow, that is very special. Uh, he drops back and, and he squeezes the window, tries to squeeze the ball in the window, gets an interception when he could have dropped it off into the flat and the open receiver with no defenders around him for about 20 yards. So you're going to get the gunslinger mentality for eight plays. It's the two plays that you worry about. And when does those two plays come into effect? Do they come in when you're trying to win a playoff game? Do they come in when you're trying to drive for a championship? So that that's the thing. Can you coach that out of them? Probably not because you're drafting the gunslinger mentality. But he's, he's talented. He's athletic. Uh, from my understanding, he's a smart young man. Uh, so learning football and, and articulating it to the huddle won't be an issue. It's just going to be maintaining that level of excitement uh, within his play. What's bigger, uh, the uh, the state that Deshaun Watson now plays in, or the chip, uh, the the size of the chip on Deshaun Watson's shoulder, watching two other quarterbacks go before him in the draft? You know, he's he's a very grounded young man. I had a chance to meet him. Uh, very very. A solid individual. He's had an upbringing. That story of his upbringing is second to none. Uh, He, when you watch him in the Alabama game, he got beat up. They tried to take him out the first quarter. I mean, every hit was on it was to to hurt him and take him out, and they couldn't do it. Not only is he tough, he's smart, he's competitive, he's a leader. I like everything about him. And you talk about a chip. Oh yeah, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. Now, the good thing about O'Brien is I hope they slow play him into that role. I'm always uh, uh, of the mindset that let a quarterback sit back and learn the game, hold the clipboard for a little bit before you throw him to the wolves. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, he'd like to do the Aaron Rodgers situation, but that's not, everybody can't do that. Uh, but if they can go eight to 10 games his first year and let him get acclimated and then go play, I think that'll be best for him. But uh, yeah, he's got a, he's got a lot to prove, you know, from uh, from a mindset standpoint, and uh, he can't wait to get on the field. Now, the fourth of the big four quarterbacks had to wait till till day two. I think uh, midway through the second round, Deshaun Kaiser of Notre Dame. What's your thumbnail on him? What did you see in him as a prospect? You know, I, I like I liked him. Uh, I didn't. Uh, his mobility was fairly good for a big guy. Uh, I think he has a strong arm. He's more of a pocket passer, but he can slide and avoid uh, and, and run downhill. Uh, but he's more of a pocket guy. I thought his accuracy was good. Uh, again, another guy with uh, you know limited production. You'd like to see more start years uh, out of him, but uh, a guy that uh, is impressive. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to see him and see how he turns out as a professional. A lot of interest here locally in Charles Harris. Uh, he gets a chance to go in the, in the first round, 22nd to Miami. What kind of impact, uh, what kind of NFL career do you foresee for Mr. Harris? Yeah, Mr. Harris, nicknamed Black Ice. I, I like uh, everything about him. <laughs> Which is man. a great he, nickname, by the way. Right, I love it. I love it. Uh, he, he's got, he might have the best hands in the draft. And his ability to use his hands, and they're only going to get better, uh, along with strength and explosion, his get-off, he can separate, he can split a double team. He plays along the line, the line of scrimmage in multiple positions. He's an inside pass rusher on third down, but he can be a run stuffer uh, on first and second. So he, he's a guy that uh, his, he's got huge upside. Uh, I think he's going to get a little bit heavier and, and carry some more weight on that frame. But I like what he brings to the table from a positional standpoint and an attitude. 
Tony, uh, I know you've been at the Mizzou Pro Day many times over the years. I was up there to watch Charles Harris. I tell you, the scouts. I remember talking to to uh, Jim Hazlitt, our our friend Jim Hazlitt, who's now a linebackers coach at Cincinnati. They they loved Harris, uh, the young Ram scout who's who recently has lost his job, Evan Ardwan. He, he he really loved him. I I came out of that. His workout was so good. I I I came out of thinking, boy, this guy. He he he's going to be a riser, and 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 he's definitely going to be somewhere in the middle of that first round. Yeah, it was it, he was definitely a bona fide first round pick. Uh, I like again, I like that attitude. I like the the toughness, uh, the mindset that he brought each and every play uh, to be competitive until the whistle. You can't. Uh, it's hard to teach that. And if you get a player that you got to go giddy up to all the time, that's not what you want. You want a couple players where you got to say, hey, hey, slow down. Slow down now. And he, he's one of those type of players. Um, we, we, we have this discussion, I feel like, every year. And it started with, uh, I guess maybe we became more aware of it when Todd Gurley was drafted so high by the Rams. Then you have Zeke Elliott last year. Again, another running back, Leonard Fournette going number four. Have we seen a, uh, is this a running back renaissance of sorts? Or are these just some really good running backs coming out of college, one, two, three, that teams are, are, are willing to take that risk on? Well, he is uh, he's a guy that I thought played better at 228 pounds in Fredette. Uh He went to the combine, weighed 240, and ran a 4.53, 4.56. So he's muscled up now. When I stood next to him, he is <laughs> he is like Bo Jackson. He is thick. He's solid. He's probably about four percent body fat, and so his weight is natural. Um, the thing that I like about him is if if you want a running back and you need a running back, and people try to emphasize that. The running backs don't need to go until the second or third round. Well, when it's time to grind out that clock and shorten the game, what do you do? You go to the running back. So you need them, and I think it was a precise pick for him. Now, I will say this. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was my number one rated running back coming into the draft. Well, wow. t- and he, tell he, us about Christian because he's going to be with Cam Newton down there in, in, yeah. in Carolina, and he's he's a guy who's the opposite end of the spectrum. He can catch passes. You can move him all over the place. Return he's, kicks. He seems like he's a plug and play guy. But how do the how do the Panthers use him right? Because we've seen guys, versatile guys, come out of college and not get used properly. Cough. Tavon Austin. Cough. How do they make sure they make the most of McCaffrey? Well, what they're going to do with McCaffrey is they're going to put him in running back, and uh, with Jonathan Stewart only one year left on his contract. Uh, they're going to use him on power and stretch runs, meaning to the outside, to the edge. He can still run in between the tackles. You've seen that at Stanford. But the most important thing is, is that somebody said to me, oh, he's not a, a three-down back. I said, no, he's a four-down back. I said, <laughs> because on third down, they're going to throw him the ball. They're going to put him in the slot, throw him screens, throw him swings. He's going to create a mismatch in space where the defense can't cover him. And if that doesn't work, then they're going to put him back as a returner. And, Jimmy, you mentioned he's going to be a punt returner, a kick returner. He, he is the most versatile player in the draft, and it was a shame, I think it was two years ago, he didn't get the Heisman. And I, I thought that this guy was the most dynamic football player in America, uh, and because he wasn't on the championship-winning team, he didn't get it. So uh, I think he's another guy that has a lot to prove. Uh, he, his uh, injury history and his playtime uh, match up perfectly because he's hardly ever hurt. Uh, I think he was dinked up this past year and missed a game, and that was because he was he got laid on by one of his teammates. So he he's a versatile guy. Uh, he's had a lot of carries in his career, a lot of touches, but I think the sky's the limit for this young man. Now, uh, from Joe Mixon, the Oklahoma running back, all the way to the end of the draft, Chad Kelly of Ole Miss, Mr. Relevant. 
another uh, uh, subplot of this draft was the players with red flags with off-the-field issues. Uh, apparently, they're up in arms in, in uh, 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 where is it, uh, Jacksonville, I believe, took D.D. Westbrook. Uh, a TV station in Cincinnati has come out opposed to the uh, – uh, the Joe Mixon uh, pick, and there there were some others. Caleb Brantley, the uh, uh, defensive tackle from Florida, I think he slid to the uh, fifth round. Uh, what are your feelings on, and, and how did you approach when you had a player, especially with uh, a violence against women, domestic assault? How did you handle that as a as a personnel executive in the NFL, Tony? Softly. Yeah, you know, mainly when I was at Carolina, it was uh, it was mis- we had gone through a lot of stuff in Carolina. Uh, Ray Carruth. We had gone through that situation. Fred Lane was murdered by his wife. Uh, there was just a lot of things that went on in Carolina. And so, you know, I think it was right after we hired George Seifert, uh, Mr. Richardson said, okay, this is what's going to go on. I don't want any uh, beating of women. I don't want uh, drugs, anybody carrying guns. I don't want any of these type of stuff in my organization. And I, I got the message loud and clear. So I created a DND, a do not draft board. Uh, that was off to the left-hand side of everything else. Our front board was in front. Obviously, our back board was in back. That handled our priority free agents and non-priority free agents. But the D&D board was to my left. And, there, and if you got in there, you never got out. And there was two <laughs> sides of it. One nope. was medical. One was medical and one was character. No get-out-of-jail so, card then, huh? No, there was no, there was no free pass. And so um, Mixon, uh, you know, Brantley... Uh, these guys would have been in the do not draft box. How many now, would you? Got to, how many would you have ahead. in a year, Tony? Would you have 10, 12, 20 guys in that D and D? Every year was different. Yeah, every year is different. Like talent, it's it's it goes up and down, and uh, you know by position there. You know, I I remember one year we had like seventeen guys in the do not draft, and there was <laughs> it was quite a bit of things that was going on. Guys that tested positive at the combine, you would have to question that. Uh, you know, are, are, is this going to be a, a problem moving forward? I mean, how smart are these guys that they didn't get off before it was time to get tested at the combine? They knew it was coming. So there was just a lot of those things going. But when I got to the Rams, they had gone through Lawrence Phillips. And so they had, they had kind of figured it out that they didn't want these type of guys. Uh, and, and so it wasn't an issue there. But uh, he would have been a, a do-not draft. I'm talking about mixing for us. Yeah. Even though I liked him as a football player. I had him as my number two running back because uh, I grade the player for the player, and then I let the letter grades undress him. Like a C would have been for character, an X for uh, injury, and M for mental. And I've got a whole alphabet that means something. And so he would have had pretty much the alphabet soup on him, but he w- he was a talented, talented running back. It seems like the, uh, the, the push and pull is going to have more teams – taking that approach i mean the backlash and, it, and as it should the backlash is going to be stronger from fan bases saying look we don't want to root for some of these guys and if the teams calculate that in terms of you know lost tickets and lost you know lost support financially then they're going to have to adjust a little bit i think it has to start with the fans because the team the team's bottom line is winning uh, but it's also making money and unless the fans say we want something different we're not going to give you our money if you sign players like this then there won't be any changes but it, maybe we're seeing seeing that start to happen a little bit i wanted to ask you about another trend that we uh heard about that fell apart in this draft that guys who sit out of uh of bowl games are going to uh suffer for it in the uh in the draft um we we didn't see that be the case especially you know McCaffrey is is one of them for net being the other do you think that leads to a trend of more guys if they're not in the college football playoff maybe not playing in some of these uh some of these bowl games that don't lead up to the national championship 
Well, I don't think so. Uh, I think that uh, once they declare they're coming to the NFL, it's uh, their prerogative to sit out uh, and, and do whatever they want to do. Um, you know, the fear of injury. We saw, we've seen several guys get hurt. The one this year is Jake Butt, the tight end out of Michigan, blew his knee as ACL and MCL in the bowl game. And, uh, you know, there, there goes his career in a sense because we'll, we'll have to see where his maintenance is, how much ongoing maintenance there is, is he going to still be the same type of player, uh, and so forth. So, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, and look at McCaffrey. He set out not only the bowl game, but he told all the NFL teams, I'm not doing private workouts. And see, you see where he still got drafted. So I, I think it, it's an individual thing. I don't think it's anything that we're going to see be widespread. Um, and we're probably talking about a handful of top players at the most. Yeah, good stuff. Tony, hey, thanks so much for making some time for us, man. We really appreciate it. Always great to have your insight. And uh, I feel like we really put a bow on this draft and, uh, and got, uh, and got some, some, some good information for folks who are still following things here in St. Louis. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, anytime JT calls, I'm there for him. <laughs> Tony, thanks. Much, much, much appreciated, sir. You have a good one. You too, buddy. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Two Sport Town, our NFL podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. For Jim Thomas, I'm Ben Fredrickson. We'll talk to you soon.